we all have Christmas memories, and I was going to take some time to hear some of yours, but uh, we might do that one year, but it's not this year. Uh, but because there, there are some that we enjoy recalling, you know, things uh, that, that we uh, really like. I remember I got a slot car track one year, and now some of you say, what's a slot car track? Well, it was fun is what it was. Uh, I got that. Um, and my, my brother-in-law put it together for me while we were at midnight mass and we got back and we played that for many hours uh, before we went to bed. I remember my first Christmas with Ginny uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, at her, uh, well, her home, you know, where they live. And she gave me a cup and I read it and uh, it said <laughs> her dad is, is uh, sitting next to me. And I looked at it and I said, oh. The gift and the kiver are yours forever. I said, what's a kiver? He said, it's giver. He didn't say, you idiot, but it was, you know, it was, it was implied. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, and I get a warm feeling every time I think of driving back to Chicago as a family in our Honda Civic. It is just a great uh, reminder. And there are also those ones that we recall that we didn't really enjoy. Uh, the year Ginny got sick while we were getting ready to head in, and um, yeah, that was that was a disaster from the, from the get-go, because then we sent the kids on, a, you know, Marcy was old enough to drive at that point, so we sent the kids into Chicago. We stayed here. That was before anything was open in Fort Wayne, you know, on Christmas, so... Um, you know, we had, I thought, well, certainly the truck stop's open. I get some food there. Yeah, no, truck stop wasn't open. Um, I had a, a frozen pizza, ate half one day and half the other day. Jenny never got out of bed. Um, and for our kids, um, they really did not enjoy <laughs> family driving back to Chicago in the Honda Civic. Uh, that's not one of their fun memories, but it was for me. As I was reading and praying about today, God opened up a few thoughts for me on memories and how we handle them. You know, what do we, what do, we do? Um, you know, how do, how do we deal with some of those? And uh, perhaps he'll help you get uh, a new view toward memories as we take a moment and look in his word. Let's pray and we'll turn to the passage. Father, thank you for memories and what they are. Um, they're good. Sometimes they're painful. But they're good. We thank you for um, those we've had opportunity to interact with, and now that's just a memory. But their input into our life is very real still. And we're so grateful. We thank you for those who uh, are putting into our life currently and ask that you would um, help us to be part of building memories into others' lives and help us to see and grasp a hold as we look into your word today of how it is you want us to deal um, with those things that have gone on or will go on yet. So guide our thoughts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, we were, um, it's page 942. This is part, part of, uh, this is the same passage we were in last week, but trust me, even today, uh, we are not going to exhaust everything that, uh, 
is in this passage, in our in these verses. We're going to move through them quickly because I'm assuming that uh, some of you possibly have some other plans for part of the day. Um, so uh, Luke chapter 2, begin with verse 1 with me there. And again, we're going to pause as we go through this a little bit. Verse 1, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This was the first registration uh, that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the lodging place. Now, how inconvenient is this? I mean, think about this. You know, it's difficult enough to travel when you are pregnant. Um, but, you know, I, I remember Ginny and I went to uh, birthing classes. Well, we went to the hospital so they could tell us, you know, hey, you newbies, this is some stuff to watch out for. And uh, I had a um, three-quarter ton Chevy Suburban at that time. And uh, I know it'll be a little bit of a surprise to you, but we were running just a tad late. And so as we were pulling into Ingalls Memorial Hospital in Harvey, Illinois, uh, they uh, had the snow was plowed and it was plowed all up into the most convenient parking place. Really, it was, you know, the very first spot. Why they thought it was a good idea to plow the snow there, I don't know. But it worked really well for me because um, I drove the Suburban up up the snow hill and then um, jumped out. And so the floorboards hit me here, and then um, out comes my, you know, very, very pregnant wife. Uh, she was so kind, you know, and she really was, you know, handed me the pillows, and um, I kind of, gravity was on my side, which was, a, you know, so kind of helped her out and promised I would get it down before she had to get, um, you know, back in there. So, um but I mentioned to you last week, scholars estimate that this was a 90-mile journey for them and took them probably four days of walking, moving, actually moving for at least eight hours a day. Uh, she walked until she delivered the baby here. I don't know if you saw in the news this week, there was a report about a lady um, in uh, Grand Rapids who had her, they were on the way to the hospital. Her, she and her husband were on the way to the hospital, and um, she was in labor. Uh, and as they're, as they're going up 131, and those of us who went to CDYC at Calvin College know where 131 is. So they were going up 131, and she said, pull over, we're not going to make it. And so they pulled over. The husband said by the time he got out and got around to the other side, side she's already holding the baby she she said in this news report she said well this is you know this is her four, fourth son by the way um so i know marcy will be praying hard for her but the um you know so they had you know um she said, if this were my first, she said, I really would have freaked out. She said, you know, but she said, I kind of felt like I knew a little bit what to expect. She said, but, it had, you know, had it been my first one, I, I would have really been freaking out. Well, we don't think of Mary as freaking out, but could be. I mean, she, she, she was human. But what I want us to grasp here is, you know, because something is inconvenient does not mean it is outside of God's will. You know, just because something's inconvenient doesn't mean it's outside of God's will. 
uh, you know, in fact, sometimes it might mean that they were smack dab in the middle of it. It's where Joseph and Mary were. They were right in the middle of God's will, and it was more than a little inconvenient. Uh, Randy Boltema, you know, one of my mentors, you know, he used to say it's never convenient to serve the Lord. And uh, they, so he, used to tell, he used to tell me that all the time. And then I started getting a complex thought. Am I the inconvenient one? No. Uh, Now, I wouldn't say never, you know, but here's the thing for us. You know, if convenient is your measuring stick, you are going to miss out. You are going to miss out a lot of great opportunities for God. If, If it has to be convenient for you, you are going to miss a lot of great opportunities that God has for you. This was not convenient at all for Joseph and Mary. It wasn't convenient. You know, but yet there they are. The whole pregnancy thing. I mean, it's not just, you know, not just delivering a baby, you know, while you're walking 90 miles. But it's the whole thing of, of uh, you know, the, the whole pregnancy thing before marriage. None of this was convenient for her. Pick up with me. Verse 8. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This passage we looked at last week, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born to you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly... There was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made, to, has made known to us. Now, I'm not going to repeat everything you know, that we said last week. If you want a little more information in what we look at this morning, you can look online and uh, hear or watch or listen to the, you know, to the message from last week. But here the, here the, you know, the shepherds are and they're doing their job. You know, that, that's, they're, you know, they're out there taking care of the sheep. Now, some feel that the shepherds were watching over sheep that were used in temple sacrifices, you know, and even Passover lambs. They think that maybe these were special flocks. I don't know if that's specifically true. I've really not found anything other than people's opinions, you know, to be able to kind of support that, or which really isn't much support in my mind. But certainly some of these sheep could have been used in that way. I mean, certainly some of them could have. Think of the role of sheep and what they did there. Now, what I do know for sure, though, is that a shepherd was a very important task in their society. You know, it was an important, it was an important role. Sheep were not only a form of wealth, they were very important for them for worship as well. You know, so the, the, the shepherd had to be very trustworthy. They had to, you know, who would you hand? Who would you hand a large? And some of you have done this. A large hunk of your wealth over to have them watch over it for you. Now, a lot of you have done that. Anybody have a 401k or something with a Edward Jones, Howard Bailey, uh, Fred DeBarber, whoever it is you invest with? Uh, you know the uh, you you trust. Okay, so, so see here's here's the, the the picture with the shepherds. They had to be very trustworthy, and, and they also had to have courage 
because they had to protect the flock. They were out there, and if wolves came, and you know, they say there were lions, you know, in, in the area at that time. But uh, trust me, wolves would would be enough. When Ginny and I were going to bed Friday night, was it? Um, and it was a little after midnight, and um, as we were going to bed, I just glanced out the window because there's these two big hairy critters. I assume they were coyotes. I didn't go out and ask them, but they, uh, you know, they were going right through our yard, you know, the side yard there, right, right below the window, and um, it was cold. They didn't seem bothered a bit by it, anything. You know, but so, you know, I, I was inside, so do what you got to do, boys. And you know, but here they're outside, and if something comes along and they're hungry and feel like lamb chops, they have to, they have to be able to protect that flock. You know, they, they had to be very trustworthy. Now, uh, what I want to say to you now is to fulfill your calling, but then some of you are going to get hung up on, well, what's my calling? You know, you're going to get, uh, you, you know, you're going to get your, your, your tizzy and a whizzy about that. And it's not, let me put it this way. Do your job well. Do your job well. Now, you may not look at your job as your calling, but let me ask you this. Why not? If you don't look at your job as your calling, why not? You should certainly see it as fitting into your calling. You know, that, that it is certainly part of what God has called you to. Now, let me take some confusion off of your plate, you know, right now. You're called to be Christ's witnesses here on earth. That is your overall calling, to be his witnesses here on earth, to be his ambassadors, to be his hands and his feet. That is your calling. So you see, at your job, it is still your calling to be his witness, to be his ambassador, to be his hands and his feet. When you are at the store and, and somebody's having a tough time uh, or somebody's treating you rudely or you see somebody treating somebody else rudely, this, this is part of your calling to be his witness here on this earth, his ambassador, his hands, his feet. That's your calling. Why do I say that? Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And notice those words, you will be my witnesses. Not, not you might be, you will be. You are my witness in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Wherever it is you are, he says, you're my witness. Now, I've told you this before. Some of us, what this means is some of us are lousy witnesses and some of us are better witnesses, but we're all witnesses. You know, that's what you are. That's what he told us we would be. Second Corinthians. Therefore, we are ambassadors. There's a, a word again, uh, you know, that tell us that it's uh, definitely something we are, not something we're going to be. You are my ambassador. You, we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You see, we are, we will be, we are his witnesses, we are his ambassadors. Matthew 28, we looked at this uh, with the board, the board and I looked at this a little bit uh, a couple of Mondays ago. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is part of your calling to make disciples. 
to help others come to know who Christ is, to help it do it in such a way that they're able to follow him. It goes on, it says, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you. You are his example. You are his hands and his feet. You are the living one standing before people who need to know Christ. We are his visible representatives here on earth. Represent him well. In all you do, in all you do, represent him well. You know, while the shepherds were doing their job, you know, suddenly it says an angel, you know, was there and then a whole host of angels. Um, It just reminded me, you know, be aware of God's presence with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. Be aware of his presence with you. He said, I am with you. How often? Always. Where? It doesn't matter where you are. Well, how long? Well, until the end of the age. Be aware of his presence with you and realize that God will direct you. You know, realize that he will direct you when he knows it is time. It's not when we know it's time. It's when he knows it's time. Uh, you know, he's going to direct you. Listen, you know, listen to him. Listen to him as, as he tries to direct you. Jenny and I are in the midst of this as, you know, as she's preparing to step away from her uh, teaching position. At the end of the school year, you know, we've been, we, we've been praying about these things for a long time, you know. And, um, you know, Lord, you know, she, it seems very confirmed you know god says okay this you're done for with this for now you know and um you know so it's not always it's not always easy to know god's leading you know it's not always easy to know his leading but he is there he is leading i am with you always to the very end of the age god's never spoken to me in an audible voice um but he has made his leading very clear. You know, and I would even say just as clear as it was for the shepherds in the field. He's made his leading very... That's how we ended up at Northside. We ended up at Northside because God made his leading very clear. You know, we've heard, I, maybe I didn't tell you before. If I didn't, then you, you should hear it anyway. Um, you know, we stayed at Kelvin and Jewel's house. And I don't know whose bedroom we had. Uh, one of the girls, maybe. Yeah, Jackie's bedroom. Uh, and so, it, you know, we we came in on a Saturday and we talked to the board, you know, and went to dinner and all that stuff. And then Sunday morning, Father's Day, uh, uh, Father's Day of uh, 1990. And, um, and we went, you know, and spent the night at Kelvin and Jewel's home. And in the morning, Jenny and I got up and knelt next to Jackie's bed and just prayed, you know, God, lead these people because we are confused. You know, we had five different opportunities open before us. Then. Northside was one of them. Uh, going to California was one. Ooh, glad we didn't do that, huh? Uh, <laughs> there was another church here in Fort Wayne. They wanted us to restart. Uh, there was a, a, a church in Lansing. Well, that, that doesn't matter. There were five other opportunities, you know, and, and we were confused. You know, we really were. Uh, just a little bit. We said, and Lord, just make this very clear. So, you know, we preached the, I, I preached the message. Ginny and I went downstairs with, uh, you know, Mark and, and Judy. 
the associate at that time, and, and we're downstairs, and they were up here uh, voting, you know, doing whatever they did, and, you know, and, that, and um, we're sitting there, and uh, Tim Nickham, who was vice chairman of things then, uh, I think, anyway, he comes downstairs, and he says to me, you know, congratulations, you got 98%. I was stunned. You know, it was like, oh, what what some pastors do? Well, they have a we have a, a thing in the bylaws. If you don't get, I don't know what it is, sixty, seventy percent like that, then yeah, forget it. You can't go there. Um, but I, some pastors have a thing in their mind. If I don't get over eighty-three percent, I'm not. We never did. I didn't have any number in my mind. But they came down, and it was like, and uh, I just looked at him, <laughs> you know, and he said. Well, if you could let us know this week sometime, that'd be good. I said, all right, that'll work, you know. And we went out with the day, and uh, I don't know, we probably went to Kelvin's house for lunch, too. I don't know. But anyway, uh, then Leon calls me during the week. Leon was the, the chairman of the board at the time, and he wasn't here for that meeting uh, because... <laughs> This will sound bad. God took him out. Uh, <laughs> so, so he wasn't here. But anyway, he calls me during the week and he says, well, you know, we were just kind of wondering what you were thinking. And Ginny and I, I don't think we talked about it for even 10 minutes uh, all the way home. And since we got home and everything else. And, you know, that's just because I, I was just stunned at, you know, with, with the whole deal. And um, when Leon called and, you know, I'm talking to him and, and he said, well, so what do you think? And it's, again, not that I heard an audible voice, but it was almost like God was saying to me, dude, you asked me to make it clear, you know, how much clearer would you like this to be, you know? And uh, so while I'm talking to him, I said, yeah, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll come. And then I hung up the phone and I told Jenny, we're moving to Fort Wayne. Uh, you know, the, um, but really, uh, he's never spoken to me in audible voice, but he has made it very clear. In, in other ways too, me go, leaving my my uh, my job and going to Moody, uh, you know, it, it, there's some things he's just made very very clear to me. He will direct you. We need to pick up verse 16. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. That's just, you know, I, I like the way that the Holman Christian Standard puts that there because um, it, it brings some of the reality to us. You know, lying in a feeding trough really. You know, but anyway, um, 17, after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. And so, okay, they go into town, you know, to see what they were told about. Now, remember, the star wasn't leading them. The star was leading the wise men. The wise men followed the star. We have zero indication. Again, fix your manger scenes at home. The, uh, uh, we, have, we have zero indication that that star was there, you know, for the shepherds. Uh, and again, if it was, and it was that obvious to the shepherds, then the question is, well, what about the other people? You know, why didn't anybody else show up? Uh, um, you know, but the shepherds, they followed what God told them. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. That was probably a fairly unique Deal. I mean, who else is going to leave their baby? And if he, so you're going to find him. And then they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord made known to us. They hurried off, found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. Here's the deal. Follow God as he leads. You know, follow it as he leads. 
They were given information from God, then they took action based on what they were told. Now, to us, it seems like it would be easy. You know, probably the only baby in a feeding trough, and that's true. The thing is, this would not have been the only feeding trough in town. You see, they didn't have electric cars. They had these animals, and instead of plugging them in, they used to have a feeding trough uh, to, to, to feed them. It's like telling somebody today, you know, he's in the backyard of the house with the car in front of it. There, there, there's the picture for you. You see, there's a car in front. Go check the backyard. It takes work sometimes. It takes effort on our part. This is what they did. Now, they, it says they found Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. And they were told, it says, after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. Well, to me, this just said, take, take, take time for people. You know, take time for people. Remember, they're shepherds. What did they do? They left their flock. I, I don't think it was unattended, but again, we're not given those details. But the detail that would have been really clear was they needed to get back there. They needed to get back, you see. Work was calling. Their responsibility was calling. And that, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, you know. And, and here they, they looked and, and found Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And they took some time with them. And, you know, it, it says here that, um, you know, that... that the, they, they were, you know, telling people about it. I'm assuming Mary and Joseph were some. They show up, you know, and Mary and Joseph just might kind of be looking like, mm, hi, you know. Uh, I assume they kind of explained to them a little bit. Well, you know, you had to take some time for people because then, you know, they, t- they told others. They didn't let these responsibilities in the field drag them away. You're probably probably going to see some people today or over the next few days uh, that you don't see very often. Let me just encourage you, take time for them. You know, just just take time for them. The shepherds leave rejoicing, tell others what they found and what God had said. You know, take time to listen. Take time to share the love of God. A couple of things you can tell them. You know, one, tell them what God's done in your life. Just tell others what God's done in your life. What What is God doing in your life? You know, what's happening there? You know, what are you learning? You know, another thing to tell them is how that's in line with what he said. The shepherds told people what God had said, told them what he had done in their life. Angels appeared. I mean, what a story to hear. His angels appeared, his light, and then all of this whole heavenly host. And they said, go find this kid. And we went and we found this kid. You know, right in line with what he said. You know, people need, people really need to hear how God actually works in someone's life. They need to know how it comes into life. How God actually works. And you are someone God has sent to tell them. He sent the shepherds. He's called us to be his witnesses, to be his ambassadors, to be his hands and feet. To bring his presence into, into wherever it is that we go. He is sending you to tell other people what God has done in your life and how it's in line with his word. 
now we're really here. These are the verses that pulled me into this chapter again. Verse 18, when it says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, we generally think this is referring to other people, you know, as they as they went back and said, whoa, this is. And, and, and you know, I still feel that's part of it. But look at the very next verse. It tells us Mary was one of those who were amazed at what the shepherds said to her and Joseph. It says Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Take some time. Take some time to think about what God is doing in your life. Now, here's the thing. Some of it you won't understand yet. Mary was doing what? Treasuring up all of these things in her heart and meditating on them because she didn't understand all of this yet. You know, and I believe some of what's going on in our life now will never understand this side of heaven. You know, some of it he'll bring, he'll bring those pieces together, but some of it will never understand on this side of heaven. I hang on to the truth of Romans 8, 28. You know, some of you know this is just, this is, I would put this way up there on my life verse list anyway. And we know, this is from the Amplified Bible. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. You see, because we don't understand does not mean God is not using those things in our life. It's not when you understand that God uses those things in your life. God still uses those in your life, even though you may not understand them. Now, if you're in Luke, Luke 2, just follow a, little, follow a little bit further with me, and you'll see this is, this is just really what pulled me into this. If you look a little bit further, eight days later, it says Jesus is presented in the temple. That's according to their custom, according to the word of God. You know, he's presented eight days later. And while they were there, a man named Simeon comes up to them because God told Simeon that this child, you know, was the Messiah, the Christ that they'd been waiting for. And Simeon prophesies about him. Now look at verse 33. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Joseph and Mary were amazed at what Simeon was saying about him. Mary treasured these things into her heart and meditated on them. Let me take you a little bit further. Twelve years after his birth, twelve years later, it says the family traveled to Jerusalem for a feast. And as they returned home, Jesus stays behind, uh, you know, but Joseph and Mary didn't realize it. You know, they thought he was you know, in the other van. And so they didn't realize, you know, they traveled back then when they stopped for gas at, uh, at snacks. They realized he's not here. You know, we know some people who did that with their kids. It's hilarious. Um, but anyway, they, you know, so they travel back and they find Jesus in the temple interacting with the teachers. Now they kind of scold Jesus, which I get a little bit of a chuckle out of. They kind of scold Jesus and he said, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Now look at verse 50. Look at verse 50. But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. Mary was still wondering. We're 12 years, 12 years from, from the, the manger. And, you know, she is still wondering, still watching, still trying to put all these pieces together. Then 30 years later, 
30 years after his birth, Mary's with Jesus at a wedding in Cana. The family runs out of wine, which was a big faux pas. You know, it was a big no-no. You know, it's like, you know, totally socially ruined these people. Mary brings the problem to Jesus and tells the others around. Do you remember what she said? Do whatever he tells you. Whatever he tells you, do it. Do whatever it is that he tells you. It seems she was already learning there was something about Jesus. Then 33 years after the manger, we see her at the cross. Her head had to be spinning. I mean, it had to be. Um, I would think things seemed to be quite out of control then. My gosh. She's watching him die on the cross. His followers go into hiding. And 40 days after that, 40 days after the cross, Mary is with the disciples in the upper room as one of those who was Jesus' followers. You know, all those things she had been keeping in her heart and thinking about from the very first day, from that very first day when the shepherds showed up And told her what happened to them out in the field. And some of these pieces were beginning to come together for her. 33 years later. Just some of them. Let Christmas remind you that God is still revealing himself to you. He is still revealing himself to you. You know, let Christmas remind you, what you don't understand now, what you don't understand now, he may certainly bring together for you later. Maybe in eight days, maybe in 12 years, maybe in 30 years, maybe in 33 years. Maybe some of it you won't understand until you stand before him in heaven. Trust Him. Trust Him. Even with what you don't understand right now. Let's pray together. Father, thank You that You are a God we can trust. We see it in Scripture. We think of Mary. How hard that must have been. We're not told she questioned you, but she wondered, she pondered, she thought. Help us to think. Help us to remember we can trust you. You are still revealing yourself to us. You are still bringing some of those pieces together. And even if you don't bring those pieces together, what you have shown us, we know we can trust you. We can trust you no matter what you bring in our life, no matter what comes in, because your word is true that all things, every single thing, works together for good.
to those who love you, those who are called according to your purpose. Father, strengthen us when we wobble. Remind us of your love, of your presence. Remind us of how you have worked. Remind us you are still working and still revealing yourself to us. And remind us that we can trust you in all. We pray with thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.